here a long time or a short time, I want to be sure that you leave here knowing one basic thing beyond a shadow of a doubt. I want you to know that God Almighty, the creator of the universe, has supplied us with the means to be saved. See, I've heard this one before. But do you know what it means to be saved? That's kind of a, a churchy term. But do you know what it means to be saved? To be saved means that every sin that you've ever committed yesterday, today, and tomorrow has been buried in the grave of God's forgetfulness. Being saved means that Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit of God, has come to live in you and to give you power, purpose, and peace. To be saved means that when you die, or when Jesus comes again, whichever comes first, amen, you are going to go to be in heaven to live with God Almighty forever. That's what being saved means. Everyone here needs to be able to leave with no doubt that you are saved. We should not be saying, I hope I'm saved. Or, I think I'm saved. No, we should be saying, I know that I know that I am saved. You see, it's much better to be a shouting Christian than it is to be a doubting Christian. Amen? So it's important that you and I have a salvation without doubt. Why? Because what we're talking about here is the eternal destiny of your ever-living, never-dying human soul. It's a pretty important thing. And to be a victorious Christian in your life, you need to be able to say, I know that I'm saved. You need to be able to say, I know that I'm heaven-born. I know that I'm heaven-bound. But this morning I asked this question. Is it possible to be saved and have doubts about it? Is it possible to be saved but have doubts about it? Well, friend, if it were not possible, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 would not exist. Toward the conclusion of John's letter to a multitude of churches, here's what he wrote. He said, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. What did he say? I'm writing this letter to you folks who believe in Jesus. That you may know, say no, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of God. Of the Son of God. So how do I get to the point where I have no doubt about it that I'm saved? Well, apparently, some believers that John was writing to had some serious doubts. He wrote to the ones who believe, but he wanted them to know that they could have eternal life in the Son. 
So just because we have doubts does not mean necessarily that we're not saved. In fact, did you know that we tend to doubt only those things that we really do believe? You see, doubt. Doubt is to your spirit what pain is to your body. Let me explain. When you have pain, anybody had any of that lately? <laughs> Boy, some of y'all's hands went, amen. That pain that y'all are talking about, amen. Uh, pain does not necessarily mean that you're dead. Amen. Instead, pain means that there is in fact life, but something is wrong. There is life if you have pain, but something is wrong. So doubt is definitely possible, but doubt is definitely not profitable. If you're trying to live your Christian life filled with doubts, it's like you're driving your car with the brakes on. Friend, have y'all ever been going down the highway and seen somebody doing that? Amen? It's crazy that they're going 70 miles an hour down the highway, but they got the brakes on. Amen? You know what they eventually that does? Wear them brakes out. It'll cause problems with the car. Same thing in your Christian life. Therefore, friend, we don't need a hope so, think so, maybe so salvation. We need a no-so salvation. Otherwise, we're going to be inhibited. And that's why John wrote this letter so that you and I might know that we have eternal life. So what did Paul say in that one verse about having a salvation without doubt? Well, he began by saying, a salvation without doubt begins with new belief. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, he wrote, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Anointed One, the Redeemer, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. You see, every one of us in this building this morning have one common experience. Every one of us here today has been born. Is there anybody here that has not been born? Amen. Praise God for that. So here's my point. If you will look at physical birth, the birth of a child, you will also see a really good example of salvation. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and Nicodemus was wanting to know about all these miracles that Jesus was doing. And Jesus told him that in order to understand the miracles, Nicodemus would have to become a miracle himself. He would have to be born again. Let me share it with you in John chapter 3, beginning in the first verse. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs. No one can do all these miracles unless God is with him. And listen to what Jesus said to that. 
Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus looked at him funny and he said, How can a man be born when he's old? Can a man enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. I'll explain that in a moment. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. A salvation without doubt begins with new birth, by being born again. Now Jesus wants to point out a few things to us here. He wants to point out a few things about new birth that you and I need to understand if we're going to cast out doubt. Here's some things we need to understand if we're going to have a salvation without doubt. First of all, in a birth, physical or spiritual, a conception takes place. Look in verse 5. Jesus said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now what you need to know here is, born of water refers to physical birth. When a, when a mama's getting ready to give birth, something you'll always hear is that her water broke. Right? What does that mean? It means she's getting ready to have a baby. She's getting ready to have birth. So being born of water here refers to physical birth. And being born of the spirit refers to spiritual rebirth. You see, when the spirit of God comes and has his influence on a physical person, together with just a little seed of faith in Jesus, then what happens is a wonderful new life is conceived. Jesus is telling us that people don't enter the kingdom of God by living a better life. Jesus is telling us people don't enter the kingdom of God by being baptized in water. People enter the kingdom of God by being spiritually reborn. Why? Because in a birth, a conception takes place. But we also know that in a birth, a continuation is involved. That term, born again, literally is translated born from above. That's what that means. In a new birth, the life of God is transferred into a physical person. But he doesn't stop at birth. He doesn't just stop there. By the power of his spirit, God helps us to continually grow and grow and grow so that you and I become more and more and more like Jesus. It's a continuation that is involved. But also, in a birth, not only is there a conception, not only is there a continuation, but in a birth, character is produced. As a human being, uh, I received the genetic makeup from my mama and my daddy. Amen? Likewise, you received your genetic makeup from your mama and your daddy. But when the Spirit of God comes into our lives through faith in Jesus Christ, a brand new being with a brand new character is created. You see, Christians aren't just nice people. They're brand new creatures. 
It's been said that we're not like a tadpole that turns into a frog. We're more like a frog that turns into a prince by the kiss of God's grace. Amen? I like that. You see, both in the physical birth and in the spiritual birth, a conception takes place. A continuation is involved and character is produced. But finally, in a birth, a completion also occurs. You see, birth is a once and for all experience in both the physical and in the spiritual. When a baby is born on earth, the parents are given this birth record that we call a birth certificate. When someone is born again by faith in Jesus Christ, his new birth name is recorded in heaven in a birth record that's called the Lamb's Book of Life. It's so important to understand this because, listen, if you're listening, say amen. No one can be unborn. You can't be unborn physically and you can't be unborn spiritually. So... We can begin to cast out doubts when we understand that being saved is a lot like being born. When we truly experience this new birth, it can never, ever be taken away. A salvation without doubt begins with an actual, factual new birth. But a salvation without doubt continues with a new belief. We all know that we had no choice about our first birth, but we sure did have a choice about our second birth, didn't we? Listen to what John wrote in 1 John chapter 5 toward the end of that chapter in verse 10. John wrote, He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself he who does not believe in God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given of his son. Here's something important. Here it comes. This is the testimony. John says this is the testimony I'm talking about. That God has given us eternal life and this life is found in his son. That is the testimony. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. These things I have written to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. A salvation without doubt continues with new belief. Now, the crystal clear and classic passage that goes right along with this is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It goes like this. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That passage is really great. You ought to circle that passage, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And the reason it's so great, because in that passage, God speaks about what saves us. But he also speaks about what does not save us. 
So let's begin by looking at what does not save us. The Bible says, self and works do not save us. It is not of yourselves and it's not of works. Self and works do not save us. That sounds simple enough, amen? It sounds simple enough. But listen, it's right here, y'all. It's right here where people lose their understanding of salvation. You ask the average man on the street, are you going to heaven, sir? He's going to say, well, yeah. And you ask him, well, why? And he says, because I'm doing the best I can. Now think about what he said there. I, self, am doing works the best that I, self, can. So many people think that God is like Santa Claus, making a list, checking it twice, finding out who's naughty or nice. They think that one day they're going to stand before God and he's going to put check marks beside all the good stuff they've done and X marks behind all the bad stuff they've done to determine if they're going to heaven or not. Many people mistakenly think that they can behave themselves to heaven. But Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 is clear. It's not of self. And it's not of works. But you know, the devil don't give up quite that easy, does he? No, he wants to encourage other people to believe something along these lines. Well, yeah, I can't work my way to heaven, but work sure does help. They think that it's the grace of God plus the works of man that gets me to heaven. They think if I'll do my part, then God will do his part. Well, I only have one word for that. W-R-O-N-G. Wrong. Amen. We need to understand that. But those who believe like this, a works plus grace type of salvation, they believe in an illustration kind of like this. They say, if you are rowing across a stream in a rowboat, and you pulled on only one oar. We'll call this oar works. So you're pulling on this oar of works. What's going to happen? You're going to go around in circles. So what they say is, maybe we need to pull on the other oar. Pull on that other oar. We're going to call this oar faith. What happens if I pull just on this oar? Round and round the opposite directions. So what they say is this. It takes both. Both oars, faith and works, in order to get across the stream. Now that sounds pretty good, don't it? That sounds pretty good. But there's only one problem. One factual problem is that we're not going to heaven in a rowboat. We're going to heaven by the grace of God, and it's not of yourselves, and it's not of works. In the story. Friend, listen. If you don't understand that, then you'll never have assurance about your salvation and your life will be filled with doubt. Friend, if even one part, if even one part depends on you, you'll never have assurance. If any of it depends on your works, you'll never know if you've done enough. So, now that we know what does not save us, let's take a little look at what does save us. Ephesians 2.8 says, 
For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. What in the world is grace? Grace, friend, is that characteristic of God that makes him love sinners like you. Grace is that characteristic of God that makes him love sinners like this one right here. Grace. God doesn't love us because we're valuable. Friends, we're valuable because God loves us. Grace is God's love that you and I don't deserve even in the slightest. It's his unearned love. It's his unearned favor to show sinners that they're going to get something else than what they deserve, which is judgment. So when you think of grace, I want you to think of Jesus dying on the cross in agony. I want you to think of the blood of Jesus splattered all over the cross. And him doing that for you and for me. A room full of undeserving sinners. Grace. See, friends, you and I don't have anything to profit God. In and of ourselves, we don't have anything to profit God. Friends, we are sinners by birth. We are sinners by choice, and you and I know it. We're sinners by practice. Day in and day out, we struggle with sin. But God loves us in spite of ourselves, praise the Lord. And that love that I'm talking about, it's called grace. Grace. God's grace. So then... If that's grace, what is faith? Well, faith is forsaking my dependence on my good intentions, forsaking my dependence on my good deeds, forsaking my dependence on my own perceived self-worth, turning my back on sin and trusting in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And I've got a period at the end of that sentence. This faith, friend, is not just mental belief. That ain't faith. James said that even the demons believe and tremble. Faith is a lot more than belief. Listen, y'all. Faith is commitment. Faith is commitment. Forsaking all I trust him. Faith is a lot more than belief. You see, I believe that that plane can fly. But I don't have faith in it until I do what? Until I get my fat tail in it. Amen? So, understanding grace of God and the faith of man, how am I born again? Simply put, it's my faith in God's grace. It's not the faith that saves. 
It's the grace of God that saves. Faith just grabs hold of God's grace. I want you to think of grace like this. Think of grace as God's hand of love reaching down from heaven saying, I love you and I want to save you. It happens to be a nail-pierced hand because he already paid the penalty for our sins. Now I want you to think of faith this way. Think of faith as your own filthy, sin-stained hand reaching up to God and saying, God, I need you. God, I want you. And when you put your hand of faith in God's hand of grace, that's when you're saved. That's when you're saved. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. And listen, because it's a gift from God, you can't take no praise for it. Because it's a gift of God, you can't take any credit for it. None whatsoever. That would be a disgrace to God's grace. It's a gift. And you and I, neither one can boast about the gift. There'll be no peacocks strutting around in heaven saying, look how good I've been. I was a preacher 17 years. No. No. When I get to heaven, when you get to heaven, friend, all that's going to happen is God getting all the praise. All that's going to happen is God getting all the glory. Why? Because of his matchless, marvelous, wonderful grace that saved a wretched sinner like me. Friend, have you ever had that kind of experience? Have you ever completely put all of your faith in the grace of God and trusted in Him to save you? Friend, have you ever staked your eternal soul on the finished work of Jesus Christ? You know, in reality, there are only two prerequisites to being saved. One is you have to realize you got a sin problem. And secondly, you need to realize that we have a holy God that doesn't tolerate sin. If you haven't had this experience that I've been trying to describe to you this morning, I want to tell you something today. That is why you're here today. That you might respond by faith to the grace of God. Christian, do you find yourselves overwhelmed with doubt? Have you been driving your car with the brakes on? Causing more damage than good? Well, listen. Today is the day to cast out doubt. John wrote at the end of his gospel in John 20, verse 31, that he had written that gospel that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, 
the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Today's the day to cast out the doubts. Today is the day to know what you believe and believe what you know. Today's the day. And today, if you need to reaffirm your commitment to Christ, I want to tell you today's your day. Today's your day. And all you have to understand are a few essentials. I think I got a... a there you go. A few essentials. You're saved by grace, God's grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, according to scriptures alone, for the glory of God alone. That's it. It's all God's grace. So listen, whatever the Lord is calling you to decide today, I only have one request. And that is that you would be obedient to the Lord, your creator, the lover of your soul, who pours out his grace so that you can be saved without a doubt. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, thank you so much for making our understanding of salvation crystal clear. Father, thank you for the words of John that remind us that we can know that we have eternal life 